What is up, y'all? I hope y'all have had a fantastic day. Welcome back to the Cajun Libertarian Live. Again, if you're new to the show, I am your host, the Cajun Libertarian, and I am super excited to have everybody here tonight. This is a very special um, weekend for me. I'm a veteran, um, and so to all of the the families and, and friends of mine and, and just everybody across the world that have, have lost members in so many, so many pointless wars. I salute you quite literally. Um, I love you very much. If you are struggling in any manner, please reach out to me. I love each and every one of y'all. Um, I got to keep it short there because I will rant. I will rant about that and uh, maybe later, maybe later. Right. And so, um, I salute you. I love you very much. Please reach out if you need us. We have a multitude of avenues of how we can help, and um, and we love you very much. So thank you for your service. Thank you for your um, support, and we appreciate you very much. And so um, that being said, if you haven't joined the Libertarian Party Seafood Caucus, you must join that. Uh, we are at a little over 700 members strong, or we might be closing in on 800 members now. I'm not sure. Just a week old. Spike, my man, is a member of that caucus. Probably not officially, but he is in the uh, he is in the group. So we'll call it that. I'll, you know, Eskimo and I'll take creds for that. Uh, and so big news, right? Big news coming from Eskimo and and I was going to call myself Cajun there. Rightfully so. It's kind of weird talking about it all the time, to be honest with you. My name is Noel, but um, yeah. And so Eskimo and I are joining with Spike and, my, and Matt on Muddied Waters Media. Very exciting new show coming up. Super excited about that. I'm trying to burn through these announcements, y'all, because this is going to be a great show. But it is very important to let everybody know that I set a goal for $400 to be able to pay for the rooms in Tunica. And in three freaking shows, we surpassed that. Thank you. Absolutely amazing. So anything y'all donate tonight, we'll just go straight up to gas and money. And we're done with that fundraiser. That's absolutely incredible. Big, huge shout, shout out to Sarah uh, for that encouragement. Absolutely amazing. You can catch me on PayPal. Uh, you can donate there. You can donate in Clubhouse, have the Stripe account. There's the PayPal account. Enough of that. We will be right in Clubhouse immediately following this to take all of y'all questions and just have a bunch of fun. So, as we always say, with that being said, let's bring him on. Spike, what's up? Hey, man. Thank you for having me on the show. And welcome to Muddied Waters Media, to the Muddy Waters family. I'm super excited to get you and Eskimo on there. That's going to be awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah, we are very excited. Uh, it, we were very, you know, I'll say honestly, I was very surprised when when y'all reached out. You know, um, <clears throat> I think it's going to be incredible. Uh, y'all are incredible. Muddied Waters is is a standard setter and a trailblazer. I love it. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you, man. Listen, uh, so uh, Matt was on Clubhouse with you and, and Nullick, and yeah. he reached out to me, and I I think he hadn't even come to I, he hadn't even come to you yet. He said, "What do you think about um uh about uh I don't think he knew your name was Noel at the time." He said, "What do you yeah. think about Cajun and Nullick being having uh, shows on Muddy Waters?" And I'm like, "Yes, 
I'm like, I don't even know the details or the format, but yeah. And, uh, and so he, uh, and so then he talked with you and the following morning, I think he, he, he messaged me and was like, so yeah, they're going to have a show together on Sundays. And I'm like, yes, yes. So I'm super excited. I can't wait to have you on. And I am a, I am a member of the seafood caucus. I don't know if I'm an official member now. And now you've raised that. I don't know how one becomes an official member of the seafood caucus. I did eat smoked salmon earlier today. Just um, like that. So just like that. That's it. It's just like That's a it. hazing of eating fish. <laughs> then I've been a member for quite some time because I eat fish every single day. Um, well, good. Well, then I'm already a member. So, yeah. uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me on your show, man. Man, thanks for coming on, dude. It's, uh, I know you're stupid busy, and uh, we appreciate <laughs> Uh, this movement as a whole appreciates what you're doing. Uh, I know I've said it a bunch of times. Like I'm super proud to have you out there on on Fox and just representing us in a way that we probably never been habitually represented. And so doing an awesome job, dude. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. I really enjoy it. It's it's a pleasure. It is what I when I got the nomination to run as the vice presidential candidate. This was always what I had in mind. I was, I was running for, you know, we ran to win, you know, as libertarians running for the white house, we know what that means, but we ran to win. We ran where if we were on a level playing field with Republicans and Democrats, we would have a shot of winning. Uh, and we ran the most robust campaign. I think of, of either of the, of, of any of the, the really of any of the top four of the, the Republicans, the Democrats, libertarians and greens joe and i were out there more than anyone else was we had a nearly 50 state bus tour during a pandemic um you know we were out there we we did everything that we could but i always recognized that this was a a, a an assignment for a few months that i would then use to spread the message of liberty moving forward because i'm now mm. no longer just spike cohen i'm former vp nominee or vp candidate spike cohen and everything that comes with that and so the idea was always get into national media, get onto these, you know, these, these prominent podcasts and influencers and use that attention to spread the message of Liberty, not to try to push myself personally, not to try to water the message down and make it palatable. Cause there is no right. such thing. You make things palatable by bringing people to your palate. Um, right. But by spreading the message of Liberty and I, I've done my best and I I'm doing, I I'm, I'm happy to do it. You mentioned me being busy. This is actually the one rare weekend. This is the only thing I've done this week. <laughs> Besides like posting stuff and whatever. Uh, and I think I jumped on Clubhouse one night for fun. But like I've literally, I have slept so much this weekend. It has, been amazing. It has been amazing. It's Thank been my God. first weekend off since February. Yeah. And it'll yeah. be my last weekend off until I'm going to be, be depressed looking this up. Hold on. <laughs> I tell everybody while he's looking this up, <laughs> there is literally a group of people out there and, and their keep sole Spike purpose alive. is yeah. to keep Spike alive. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it's, you got to get some sleep. It's a group. I, I sleep well on a regular basis, but this weekend, nice. man, I slept like a middle-aged Jew. Um, and uh, <laughs> so my next free weekend is possibly July 4th, but I may be doing something uh, in uh, in Chicago. And then if not, then oh, nice. then possibly July 24th, although I might be at Freedom Fest. And if not that, then August 28th, although I guarantee you by then something will have booked that. Um, so this is what my life is like. And again, I love it. I love every second of it. I'm not complaining. Nice. But yes, there is a core group of people within my volunteer team whose sole purpose 
is to make sure I don't die. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I love that. I love that I have that. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have it. Uh, we all need that accountability, yes. especially yes. when it comes to staying alive. Yeah, because because I don't I don't do a good job at I, I I've gotten better than I, as a kid. I just didn't sleep. Now, um, like that was how I was successful in my business. I really never slept. I used to do a lot of drugs, and now sober and well into my thirties, and also having MS, which has slowed me down slightly. Uh, or at least made me a little bit more accountable to, you know, if I'm tired or whatever. Um, now I have to be more cognizant, but I still push through stuff. I still, you know, at these events, I'll be up for 18 hours and I'll have people call me and be like, no, it's time to go to sleep now. You you can go to sleep now. I'm like, yeah, but I'm working out the same. No, 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 no. Go to bed now. No, you wake mm -hmm. up and then you can do that. So um, I am like a, a five-year-old in that way. You kind of wind me up and I go around and talk to people until you say, no, now it's, it's, it's sleep time. I go, I don't, I don't need to sleep. And then I fall asleep. So. <laughs> My <laughs> wife keeps me in check the same way because yes. I don't have MS, but I do. Um, I have the same background as you where I was a drug addict and alcoholic for over a decade. Oh, and wow. I absolutely ruined my pancreas. And so I have mm. to keep a strict diet. Um, I won't go into all the details of that, but I yeah. have to keep a very strict strict diet to keep my number one, my type one diabetes in check, but also my pancreas in check. And I also have to have that regular sleep. So go into that diet. Um, I, I, I absolutely obliterate my diet on a habitual basis. I don't think you do because your situation is probably a little bit more intense than mine. But when you have your smoked salmon, Mm -hmm. Is it seasoned properly? I mean, it has to be, right? I don't know. There is such a thing as raw. Like it's it's full of salt and and uh, in fact, I actually one of my favorite ones uh, is a Cajun smoked salmon. So they they <laughs> they they have all the Cajun spices and everything on it. I so I, okay, good. Let you've done it. Let's drive. Let's 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 do this debate. So yeah, no, let's do the debate now. Right. I am an all salmon matters type of guy. Okay, I there are it. fine people on both sides of this debate. <laughs> I I am very much a believer in. Uh, so not like saying you know I, I like to take some Alaskan sockeye and just cook it in the fire and you eat its natural. And I'm like, yes, I will do that. And you're like, I want to put it in you know the 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 uh, you know cayenne and paprika and the and you know all the Cajun spices and the salt. And I'm like, yes. And someone else is like, <laughs> I want to. Uh, you know, I want to, I, I'm not, so I actually live in, um, uh, I live in, in the Carolinas and our big thing here is calabash style where they like yep. deep fry it. Uh, they bread it and deep fry it. That's the one I like the least, but even that I'm like, okay, it's still fish. So I'll do that too. Um, and the new Englanders are like, now nah, we just put a little bit of salt in it. Uh, and we mostly stick to shellfish that already has lots of salt. And so we don't even have to salt it, put a little bit of old Bay on or the, the, the Marylanders. I'm from, I'm from, I'm from uh, Baltimore, the Marylanders. We like to take okay. crabs and, and just put some old Bay on it. And boy, yes, all of these things are acceptable answers. I am a, I am a, a pan fish, you know, the, the, the pan fish unity. I support seafood unity in these caucuses. Amen. And, uh, I, 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 I'm not sure. I like the whole Asian style with teriyaki and all that. Same. Like I, I will literally spend this entire episode talking about fish if you let me. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm not sure I have a favorite. Um, if, if that's your next question, but, no. but smoked salmon is like in order to actually do the curing and smoking, it has to have salt in it. Um, and so you it's by default it's, it's seasoned. So yes. 
Yeah. No, no, no. I wasn't going to ask you to pick favorites because, uh, yeah, look, everybody well knows that Eskimo and I were just having fun, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I absolutely love salmon. Salmon is my top two favorite fish. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can't put a number one or number two there. Salmon and tuna are my top two favorites. Uh, I I love smoked salmon. I love tuna to no end. And so I, I, my, my only thing, I guess, would be, uh, I want to take Nalik's, uh sm- salmon right out of the river and cook it over an open fire, as yeah. does she. But I want that bad boy in a pan with some butter and some garlic and some nice, <laughs> fresh seasonings, mm-hmm. not from the powdered stuff. And so, but no, I'm with you. All actual fresh mouth. cut seasonings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, I listen, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm from the South. We we salt our salt. So I I I you know <laughs> we're 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 from a similar region in in the US when it comes geographically and when it comes to seasoning food. So I'm with you, but I also like I'm pretty much good with if someone puts fish in front of me and says, Hey, would you like this fish? It's I'm and I say yes, be whatever the it's is, the answer is almost always yes. Um, so yeah, no, I'm a fan of it. I actually, I love tuna too. I tend to stay away from tuna because I eat so much fish and it's kind of higher in mercury. Um, and so I tend to stick to the fish that are low in mercury, like salmon, cod, halibut, uh, um, oh, what's another one? Mahi. Uh, those are, those are good ones, but no, I like, I actually, I really like tuna. Yeah. I actually really love Mahi and I really love Amberjack as well when mm, they're cooked yeah. really well. Those are good solid fishes that hold together really well. They're not super flaky, a lot like salmon. I I, I love those fish, and so I, on, I'm in the all sea. I'm in the all seafood matters camp. All sea all seafood matters. Yeah. yeah, I uh on the campaign trail in Huntington was it Huntington Beach? Huntington Beach, I think. Yes, yes it was Huntington Beach. Um, <laughs> we stopped at a uh, a place on the water and had yellowtail. I had no idea what it was. They just said it was a white fish. It tastes like chicken. It's the exact, I have no idea if it's a tuna. It's not yellow fin, it's yellow tail. And I've had it a couple okay. times since, and it literally has the exact same consistency. In fact, I actually, when I started eating it, I'm like, I think they gave me chicken. And I went up to them and they said, <laughs> we don't serve chicken. We only serve yellow tail and shellfish and a couple other things. And I'm like, you're certain this is not chicken. They're like, we don't, we've never ever served chicken here ever and so as i started flaking it i'm like oh, okay i can see this is fish it had me that fooled it's amazing and uh that that's something I, every time i'm on the west coast i try to get some yellow fin yellow t- yellow tail yeah yeah no you're educating there because i immediately thought you were talking about yellow fin tuna yeah yeah I, I assume tail. i actually assumed it was the same thing when i ordered it and then when i ate it i'm like that's not tuna. And then I went to them and they're like, no, it's a different type of fish. It's on, it's on the West coast and it's called the yellowtail. And I'm like, this is, I want all of these. I want, <laughs> I want to, I want you to give me the rest that you have. And I'm going to put right. it in my, in my suitcase and take it on the bus with me. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm no, but in the, the, when, when I saw it, so I'm actually the chair of the now defunct libertarian party smoked salmon caucus, which in retrospect, was probably a little too specific. Right. Um, I like that we now have a seafood caucus because it, right. it includes smoked salmon, right? It yes. includes all these things. And so I feel like I have a home. When I saw that I was invited, I think it was, I don't, it was either you or Nullick that invited me yeah. to it, probably yeah. both. And uh, yeah. when I saw it, I'm like, I now have a home because I was so sad 
that the Waffle House caucus took off and the smoked salmon one kind of went to just kind of went defunct. But now I have my real home, which is the seafood. Amen. Amen. And a women, (laughs) a women. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So just to let everybody know, Spike is officially a part of the cool club now. Yes. (laughs) Appreciate it. Part of the cool kids club. Yeah. Part of the cool kids club. You've been doing a lot of traveling lately. So I imagine that you've been able to eat just absolutely all kinds of food all over the country that's amazing you've been doing a lot of state conventions uh uh, like crazy how has that been have you enjoyed that has it been terrible (laughs) i I imagine you enjoy it that that last part was a joke wouldn't that be a twist like no i hate it god (laughs) i gotta go to delaware next weekend crap no no i love it it is (laughs) it has been fantastic um it is and it has been what i was hoping it to be because coming off of the election, I I walked away with some pr- what I thought were some pretty clear lessons of what we had done wrong, of what we had done right. But as or more importantly than those, the things that needed to be done and how we needed to refocus the party and the movement. I think for a long time, we have focused so much on who's running for president. And that's important. Because that's our standard bearer. That's the one who goes off and is the flagship for the rest of the party. But when we know that their likelihood, at least for now, at our current size, is almost basically 0% chance of winning. When we put most of our time and resources into this race that we know we can't win, at least not yet, instead of focusing on the hundreds and thousands of races that are at the level that we can win right now and are winning right now, I think it's just... It's a monumental misuse and misdirection of focus and resources and time and effort. Uh, And it creates a bunch of problems. First of all, it brands us as the loser party. When our main focus is on races that we can't win and our main messaging is about how they're keeping us off the ballot and they're doing everything they can to stifle us, what we keep saying to everyone is we can't win, we don't win, all of our heroes don't win, we don't win, we don't win. That L becomes loser to these people. The other thing is it kind of tells us that too. It's like, well, listen, we're not a part, we're not about winning elections. We're not going to win the election. We're just telling people about Liberty. And it's like, all right, well, I can do that without a political party. The purpose of a political party is to win elections. So anyway, that was my takeaway from this. And that in order to win these elections, we also have to become more involved in our local communities and be more involved in actual efforts to show the community that we care. Being the best on issues is not enough because that's not how most people think. Most people, they want to know you care. Then once they know that you care and that you have a grasp of what's going on and that you're willing to help, now they're willing to listen to what you, how you think we got here, like wh- how we got here and then how we can fix it. But you you gotta you can't put the cart before the horse. You have to start with the we care. So I go into these conventions going, I'm gonna tell these people that we need to focus down ticket and we need to get involved <laughs> in our communities, damn it. And if we don't do that, well then we're never gonna build the culture of winning we need to be able to win. And then I go to these conventions, they're already ahead of me. Yeah. They're already going, yes, we agree. That's why we're running all these city council races and supervisor races and working to get people appointed to appointed uh uh, uh spots that you know making uh currying favor with the people that are in office already to appoint them to positions that they can then use to build up enough credentials to then run for an elected position and, you know, doing community outreach efforts and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, well, good. So now I'm basically showing up and 
talking about basically uh, cheerleading what they're doing and leading by example in, you know, creating events that I'm taking, that I'm doing that other people can take part in and, and, and really just kind of going with what people are doing. I'm, I'm leading by example, but they're already doing it largely. Uh, there, there've been a couple of conventions I've gone into where I've had to kind of redirect the focus a little, but Right. For the most part, I'm going into these conventions and they're like, yep, we're with you 100%. And now my words have preceded me, you know, because it's been a couple months now. So I'm showing up and people are like, yeah, we heard what you said in Alabama, in Atlanta, in in Oklahoma, in Alaska, right. wherever. And this is what we're doing towards that. So it's really exciting to see it, man. It's like, it's like I don't have children, but it's like if you had a baby and your baby was a bunch of people, mostly in their 20s, 30s and 40s that lived across the country. And, and you get to go up and, and well, I don't get to cradle them because I mean, a lot of them are bigger than me. But it's like having it's like having this baby of a movement <laughs> that that you've been one of the people saying, like, here's what we need to do. And then you're watching them get up and walk and, and do the thing. So it's, it's pretty exciting to do. Um, I also like doing the the outside of the convention stuff that we do. Like last weekend, I visited a, uh, a homeless camp in uh, in Denver with a group called Helping Hands. That's part of it's actually a member of the Libertarian Party who's doing it, but it's it's her own venture that she's been doing to help homeless yeah. people in in Denver. The couple weekends before was it the weekend? No, two weekends before that, I was in. Murfreesboro, Tennessee, doing a similar thing for homeless people out there with a group called uh, Journey Home, the Journey Home and the Libertarian Party of Tennessee. And uh, and then the weekend before that, I was uh, helping with the Libertarian Party of Ohio and their allies in a group that they created called uh, Accountability Now Ohio, which is people across the political spectrum that are fighting to end qualified immunity. So it's this kind of stuff that libertarians need to be doing and and on the front lines of because it's one thing for us to say we've always been right about these issues it's another thing to show people that we are at the front at the head of leading on pushing forward for these issues um and when we do that we aren't just having good ideas and watching other people do them or not do them we are presenting our good ideas and inviting others to join us in, in making these good ideas the actual policy. And in doing so, we show that the liberty movement is leading by example and setting the world free. And I'm beyond excited to do this stuff. It was nice to have a weekend of sleeping, though. Yeah, I, I can imagine. And I know that uh, your wife, Tasha, is uh, a huge advocate for volunteerism. Yes. And uh, you guys are coming to Tunica in July. Yes. And I'm working with you and Brian and, yeah. and Tasha about having the same fundraiser here. You I know, it. I mean, that's the, that's the bottom up work that I've been stressing so much stressing. Yep. That's not yep. the right yep. word is promoting, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we've been talking about. So we've been beaten into the ground, like just <laughs> boots on the ground, bottom up work. Yeah, I feel, man, I loved what you said because so much of the focus on the federal government, a lot of that's just straight up entertainment. Like it's just entertainment value to keep us distracted from what's really going on in your city, what's yeah. really going on in your community. Yep. Yep. Those things are important. The federal policy is important. War policy, foreign policy, monetary policy, tax policy, regulatory policy. A lot of the bad things that we see in our cities and states is, is bad federal policy that's trickled down, especially when it comes to like the war on drugs, the war on guns. That's important. We are nearly powerless to do anything other than say those things are bad and say what we oppose and what we're in favor of right now. We are we have incredible power 
to affect how things are happening in our city halls, That's in our right. state houses, in our, you know, yeah. if you're in a, uh, you know, has a county council or whatever, in our local and regional and municipal places of power. That is where we right now can directly affect things. And that's where it happens. Folks, the, 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 the chance of you being infringed upon by a federal agent is infinitesimally smaller than the chances of you being imposed upon mm. by a city beat cop or a county cop or a state cop. And not because they're bad, but because they're just doing their job. That's what they were told to do. Go give this, you know, go, go uh, hassle people over a tail, uh, broken tail lights and, and blinker yeah. laws because we need to raise revenue. Go arrest a bunch of people for owning plants because that's a big priority of the governors right now. You know, th that's, they're just, you know, no, that doesn't make it right what they're doing, but they are just doing their job. They're not uniquely evil people. They're not really right. much different from you or me. They're just doing a job that right now is a bad job. And so what we do is we go and we change policy. We can change policy. There's a group called For All Tennessee. They are a lobbying group in Tennessee. There's two of them. And they have a, you know, like a board of advisors and they have a, a, a couple dozen members right now. They have a budget of like five or six thousand dollars. And they have been in the Tennessee state legislature ad, uh, uh, lobbying and advocating for all of five months now since this session started. They have been able to successfully end no knock raids, put a law on the books requiring that uh, police officers now have a legal duty to intervene when they see a fellow police officer breaking the law the same way they would anyone nice. else. They have begun the process of restricting uh, civil asset forfeiture. Um, uh, it, there, there's laws in place that are restricting some civil asset forfeiture and, and putting some protections on the on the. Um, on the defendant so that now uh, there's a, a, a minimum amount of monetary value. Uh, that, no, no, that was the part they couldn't get. What they were able to get now is you can use a public defender for it before <sighs> you had to pay for it. So what's happened now is when the state comes in, they have to decide, is it worth steal, seizing this guy's thousand bucks when we know it's going to cost us thousands to defend it to yes. in, in, in taxpayer money? So they're, they're, this whole thing of now civil asset forfeiture, which we were told was to go after the kingpins, good. Now go after the kingpins. Leave the, the small people alone that you're taking right. 300 bucks and 600 bucks and 2,000 bucks. That happened. Oh, and also they, they, they actually uh, got the votes to pass uh, ballot access reform, but the chair of that uh, committee illegally decided that the, the vote was, uh, was, in, was against it, uh, even though you can clearly hear that the majority voted in favor of it. But- the point is they came that close. They've done this in five months. We can be doing this all Look over it. the country. Oh and it doesn't God. take millions of dollars. We can be, you know, with a million bucks spread out across the country and with the same amount of, of, of manpower and effort and resources that we are putting into these, you know, Don Quixote tilted the windmill uh, presidential races that we're doing. We could be changing the faces of our cities and counties now, That's right incredible. now. So it's it's what grassroots is always where it's at. And it makes perfect sense because as libertarians, yeah. we believe in decentralization. We believe in putting it yeah. back in the hands uh, of, of individual people and small communities working together That's voluntarily. True. And that, that that bigger patchwork is people working together voluntarily, not some top-down centralized power situation. So it 
feeds directly into what we already believe. And it, it works better for us because we naturally don't like being told what to do. So instead, right. just empower people to do it themselves. So this, it's like we're finally, I, I feel like we've really crossed the Rubicon of understanding that we're not going to win the same way that the Republicrats ran. That, the, right. that they, they've created a system for themselves. The way we're going to win is by doing it the way we do it. We're not mm-hmm. going to win libertarian goals with statist uh, means. We're going to win it with libertarian means. So I'm excited, yeah. man, and I, and I can't wait to come out to Tunica. Oh yeah, that's going to be a bunch of fun. Like you're, you know, you're the the, the main speaker there, and then we've got uh, a lot of guests. I think Adam Kokish is going to be there. Oh nice, um, cool. I, I'm I'm not super sure. I just think. But um, and of course, Brian, I'm sure is going to be there, mm-hmm. which that's kind of funny because I did tag him in that uh, promo. <laughs> me, <laughs> but, uh, you that know, was funny. Uh, what, yeah, what's I, funny because Brian tends to be kind of a behind the scenes type of guy. Yeah. So when you put that out and you're like, yes, with featuring Matt Wright's co-host and you tag Matt <laughs> and Brian. And I'm like, that, that was just funny to me. But yeah, no, I uh, I'm super excited to come out. First of all, Mississippi uh is one of the states that i didn't get to visit during the campaign so uh, i've been i've i've been collecting states like pokemon since last year and i've got so far i've got either 40 or 41 of them um and so i think what's left are hawaii which that's gonna be a tough one um hawaii idaho wyoming montana mississippi louisiana maine vermont Maryland. And I think that's it. I think it's 41 I've done and nine I haven't done yet. And most of these ones I haven't done yet, I've already got something on the books for them. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah. 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 Which one was your favorite or least favorite state convention? Probably a trap question there. I I don't mean. Yeah. I, you know, it's (laughs) tough because I, there wasn't, there hasn't been a bad one, put it that way. Like there hasn't been one where I walk away and I'm like, Right. I could have stayed home. Like that that could have been an email. Um my favorite state convention. I I honestly and this is not me being a politician. I don't know that I have an exact favorite. There are things about each one that I liked a lot. The Alaska yeah. one was really 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 cool. First of nice. all, I've never been to Alaska. Second of all, Alaska right. is beautiful and Third of all, it wasn't really a convention. It was a it was a, a outreach event and, and a, a candidate, basically a candidate workshop forum. Nice. So it had like a different vibe where we were just showing candidates how to win. So there wasn't all the like Robert's Rules of Order stuff that I, I tend to tend to fade out on or, mm. or not be there for. So I, I think that it's definitely up in the in the top four, three or four there. Um, I don't know, man. You know what? Each of these conventions mm. really competes to be the best. It's it's a really close grouping from last to first. Um, you know, Wisconsin. Nice. I went to Wisconsin and it was amazing. They had an incredible event. I went to Oklahoma. I didn't know what to think with Oklahoma, and it was fantastic. That was an awesome event. California was amazing. That was the the, the last one I just did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I no, actually no. Colorado was the last one I just did, and that one was amazing. That was a great right. one too. There, the fiftieth anniversary uh, uh, for the party. I, you know, I don't. There, put it this way, there hasn't been a bad one, and there's not one that has stood so far above the rest that I go, oh, that was obviously the one. It's really a close grouping. These 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 people are are fighting to have incredibly 
successful, impactful, and fun events. And they, they've done yeah. a good job of them. Man, that's great. Uh, I love the fact that you brought up Cali. So, uh, yes. Talk about those Cali name badges. Oh. <laughs> I had to ask. So they came up with a uh, a fundraising idea because I tell people when they're putting when they when they invite me out I'm like listen don't just have me come and give a speech make get your money back because I, I you know they they cover my my airfare and my hotel and and sometimes my food like I I don't ask for money like they don't right. pay me but they help cover my expenses they keep me whole for the whole thing and but I tell them I'm like listen if you're paying to have me come out get your money back. Like have me do sign stuff for auctions. You know, let me do some kind of breakout session that costs a little bit extra or something, uh, or, you know, come up with some kind of promotional thing just to get people that aren't even coming to, to take part. And so California's idea was to have, uh, a contest to name my, uh, to, to decide what my name badge would say. Um, you know, at the conventions, they give you the lanyard with your name badge on it. And they assumed that everyone knew I was Spike Cohen. So I wouldn't need it to say Spike Cohen. Uh, but what would it actually say? And they raised like over $2,000, mostly from out of state, uh, from people. And the, the winner was, uh, it was, it was scary for a second there. Tasha's husband was leading for a while. And then Rachel Nix's dad, Rachel Nix is someone that lives in California. That one did well. I think it was mostly her giving to that. Um, and then there were some other ones like, can you, can you something, some nipple King or something like that. Nipple there King. were, there were a couple like that. And I'm like, and then huge anus, of course. Huge and, anus. uh, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I don't want these to win. So the one that ended up winning was protector of all unloved dogs, which nice. I was like, all right. I'm, yeah, I was good with that. I was good with that. So, and there were a lot of dogs at that convention, but they were all loved. So I became the protector of all loved and unloved dogs. Um, yeah. But so and it raised a bunch of money for the party. So yes, I'm I, I'm happy if if having a little fun at my expense can, you know, cover my costs for for bringing me out there, then uh, uh, I'm happy to do it. No, I love it. It also shows that the Libertarian Party is, uh, I would say, more, um, you know, just experienced about being able to have fun and find innovative yes. ways to create funds because we don't have the same thing as the duopoly has. No. We we need to be able to be in innovative in our ways yep. of raising money. I love the Hugh yep. Janus one, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Hugh Hugh Janus. Hugh and Janus. Hugh Hugh, Hugh Janus. <laughs> now, thankfully, that one that one was in like fourth or fifth, so that was never really in danger of winning. But the fact that so many people voted for that one was very disconcerting. I, I was happy that Unloved Dogs won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I was happy about that too. I'm glad they didn't get a hold of. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, Matt, I might get in trouble with Matt here on this one, but I think your contact in this phone is LL Cool Jew. And so <laughs> that sounds right. In regards yeah, to yeah. the mixtape. Yeah, yes. my bad. Yeah, LL Cool Jew. So all of last <laughs> year, every episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom, he would introduce me as Spike yeah. and then some Jewified version of a rapper's name. Uh, and LL Cool Jew was his favorite. I liked I Jew Z. Um, <laughs> and, uh, oh man, there were some, there were a few other ones. Um, I'm blanking now. There were some really good ones, but, uh, big punim, which is, uh, uh, Yiddish for face. Um, there were, there were a few of them. I'm trying, I can't remember any of them now. Fat Jew, what, you know, fat Joe, um, <laughs> that, um, but, uh, so yeah, no, I, the mixtape. Um, so that's a special lesson in what happens when you say something on the internet 
and and think that it's not going to be that big of a deal. Um, on an episode of our show, they were joking about, oh yeah, you think Spike's um, you know vice presidential campaign was cool? Wait till you see his mixtape or some stupid. And and it, and I was like, well, I actually have a mixtape, and everyone's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I may I used to out of boredom um in throughout the late 90s and early 2000s i had this like sound recording software because i'm a huge nerd on my a sound sound um engineering software on my computer and i would mix up remix songs that i liked rap songs that i liked rap and nice. some reggae and some r&b and then i'd like mix them all together and i spent the better part of like five or six years doing this so i have like 48 tracks or 50 tracks or something like that it's like four hours long and um and I said, yeah, I, I, it's a mixtape. And people were like, where can we hear it? And I'm like, well, it's on my computer and my phone, but I actually uploaded it a long time ago somewhere. Um, you're never going to find it. And, and when I say you're never going to find it, no one has found it yet. And, yeah. and the reason is because I uploaded it somewhere. I would have to go and unpack my email archive from my old computer to even find the link I sent to myself and see if it's still there. Uh, I, I do believe it's there because I did check a few years back and it was there. Um, so I do think yeah. it's still there and it's, and I said, and it's called Spike Cohen mixtape. Like if you find it, you'll nice. find it. It's not, it's not like, you know, some weird, you know, uh, uh, cryptic name for it or whatever. And I'm like, but you're never going to find it. Ha ha ha. And I, I didn't realize that would become this viral challenge to thousands of libertarians across the country to try to find my mixtape. And I, I inadvertently egged it on because I was, I, I would see someone would post, well, I got to find Spike's mixtape. And then I would comment, you're never going to find my mixtape. Like, don't bother. Don't worry right. about it. You're not going to find it. They took, again, they took that, this as a challenge. In retrospect, I fueled a flame for, uh, yeah, no, this is, this is the response, Eric. This is what happens. Everyone hears, you're not going to, you're not going to find it. And they're like, I will never not find it. Like, I'm going to find it now. And, and I, now months later, I have people coming to me and going, I'm really angry at you. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because I haven't found it. I'm like, I specifically said <laughs> that you would not find it. And the problem is, because people are now like, well, are you going to share it? Here's the problem, Noel, and everyone watching this and listening. But <laughs> think about what 1990s and early 2000s hip hop was like. Like the context. A lot. The, no, no, well... No, that would be like early mid '90s. So this is like Wu Tang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wu Tang. No, I I was around then. I was around for a mix a lot. This was like Wu Tang, um, Big Pun, Fat Joe. Oh, wow! Cannabis, um, all the West Coast stuff. All the you know, Snoop Dogg, Dog Pound. Um, gosh, who else? Eminem, D12. Um, the beginning of Kanye West. Jay-Z, Rockefeller, all, all of these people. And just think about what their music was like. So in this, so, and now consider the fact that I am the former VP candidate for the third largest political party in the United States. And if I release a mixtape that, for example, has the N-word in it probably mm -hmm. 6,000 times. <laughs> and and like what and and what am I and in this age of cancel culture, I put this out and people go, Spike Cohen is, you know, is releasing, you know, terms the the N-word and yeah, no, Dre. Dre's on yeah, I forgot about Dre. I, had no, to I, put that I, on there, yeah. I forgot about Dre. Exactly. No, but Dre and Dre's on there too. So I don't know why I forgot. Um well I said I said uh Snoop Dogg and Dog yeah. Pound and I mean, he was 
I don't think he was part of Dog Pound. Anyway, um, so I, yeah, no, great. Um, and so I, I don't know if there's a good way to release this now. When you think about the kind of content that's on there, you know, it's got the N word and the B word, and you know, references to violence against women and minorities, and it's like yeah. how. So and and for me, go. It's okay, everyone. They're the ones saying it. I don't. I don't know if there's a good way to do that. One person suggested that I edit out all the uh, all the like bad words, and but instead of having it just burp, it would be like someone saying a good thing. So like anyone, anyone there's the N word. It would be it would be a a little clip of uh, of um, Mr. Rogers saying neighbor. And, nice. uh, and, or like, you know, the B word or a good person or something like that, you know, and like, so it become like a wholesome version of these songs. Yeah. And I kind of might do that, but then I'd have to have, the, I'd have to make the time to add, you know, little clips of nice words to four hours of gangster rap. So we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm not against releasing it. If we can do it to help the movement, then that's great. But th- what I don't want to do is hurt the movement by, by, by doing that. So we'll see. We'll see. what. Yeah, yeah, of course. And that would be, it's a, a, it literally yeah. exists here. I'll show you. It's a real thing. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? It's Jack Hold Casey, on. our new, our boss there. Yes. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jack Casey's whose book, uh, in Silver Throne and the other one, um, and then the new one coming out is is uh, uh, Golden Golden Cross. I should know this, but if you go to uh, his website, which he will put in the comments, <laughs> you can buy his books right now. I have no idea where my phone is. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, no my, my mixtape is on my phone and on my uh, on my computer as well. So it does exist. I listen awesome. to it often. I've actually played uh, a track for a couple people at uh, at various conventions. So if you come out uh, to my uh, my my different locations that I'm coming out to over the next few weekends, uh, then I might play a track for you. If you if hey. you if you if you donate enough money to your your state convention, uh, your state party, I, I I might play a track for you. Um, and if you go to spikecohen.com, you can uh, see all my upcoming events. You can see where I am, and hopefully, you can come out and meet me. Oh, there was a comment earlier, so uh, mm-hmm. there you go. I, yes. I I left the comments off for a hot minute, so I didn't get distracted because they're so oh. deep already. But I clicked into it, and somebody was already asking, like, "Hey, you got a schedule of your upcoming events?" There you yes. go, spikecohen.com. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, spike. So if you go to spikecohen.com, I'm actually pulling it up right now. If you go to spikecohen.com and go down to uh, upcoming events. Uh, you'll see all of them. And my next upcoming event is this weekend. I'm going to be at the Pizza Dilly Pizza Dilly Winery in Felton, Delaware, just outside of Dover. Um, Friday the 4th and Saturday the 5th. On Friday the 4th, I'm taking part in an event called Liberty Speaks. It's going to be me and Maj Ture and a bunch of other speakers uh, that are going to be there at Pizza Dilly. The uh, following day, also at Pizza Dilly, uh, is the Libertarian Party of Delaware Convention uh, right there in Felton. And then on Sunday, I'm going to a uh, uh, well. If you show up for the weekend, you'll know because we'll tell you. But it's uh, it's actually uh, Dave Casey uh, owns a a breakfast restaurant, uh, and uh, we're going there for uh, on on uh, on on Sunday morning for like a breakfast brunch type thing. Um, so I'll be there that weekend. The following weekend, I will be in Florida uh, at the Spring Hill Suites. 
uh, in Lakeland for the uh, Libertarian Party of Florida convention. The following weekend, I will be in Greensboro at the Greensboro Shrine Club in Greensboro, North Carolina for the Libertarian Party of North Carolina convention. But yeah, if you go to spikecohen.com and go down to uh, upcoming events, you will see all my uh, all my upcoming events across the planet. Oh, yeah. Brian wanted me to give you a message, by the way. Uh, why is it that you can play on Facebook all day, but you can't tell him about some sort of check that he needs to know about? I texted him. <laughs> this is what you do. You go onto my shows and at, I texted you at, hold on. Find oh. it. Put him on blast. I love I that text, dude there. Oh, yeah, but I texted at like seven. Listen, man, I slept all day. <laughs> I slept. I woke up. I, I woke up, I set alarms to wake up and post my Memorial Day thing that I had already written. Um, my team posted the thing about the 100th anniversary of the, the race massacre in uh, Black Wall Street, Tulsa. I saw that. Uh, yeah. And then uh, someone else posted, uh, someone else on the team posted uh, a thing about a, a cop, a dirty cop that's been uh, uh, framing hundreds of people for years now and now all of his cases are getting thrown out and all, everyone's going home even probably some of the ones that were actually guilty because at this point they can't they don't know who's guilty or not guilty um and so yeah i've been I, honestly you know when you see spike cohen out there it's mostly like my team has put out stuff that i've already written and just scheduled for it to go out later yeah. and um and i was asleep i was asleep so I, but i did message you i i messaged yeah, you yeah. yes right yep. i messaged you yeah, check your texts, Brian. I know check you're Check your about text, that. Brian. Like, don't come at me <laughs> before checking your text. Goodness. I'm sure you met Bobo in Nevada, but she wants me to ask you or just yes. remind you, you do realize that you do have a yes. Kevin Bacon running. Kevin pleasure. Bacon. Yes. I, let me pull up this. I, I'm going to pull up. The, no, no, no. I'm going to get the picture. Let me get Hold the on. pic. Let's get the pic. Hold on. Well, I'll, I'll talk about it while I'm getting it. But um, so. I was in Reno, Nevada, and it's Nevada, not Nevada. Oh, no. Um, it's Nevada. Yeah, no, I didn't know either until I got there, and I said, <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada, and they're like, Nevada. So I'm like, all right. Um, so in Nevada, in Las Vegas, Nevada, I was uh, on the bus tour, and I got to meet many cool people, including uh, Bobo and, uh, and a bunch of other uh, cool folks that came out. Uh, someone came out, actually a friend of mine that had interviewed me, on his YouTube show, he came out in a full hazmat suit. Um, <laughs> uh, this was, you know, again, during COVID and all that. Um, and uh, so that was fun. But then we also, I got to meet this nice. guy right here. I don't think I got to meet yes. this guy right here. This is Kevin Bacon, AKA yeah. Sir Oinks a lot. <laughs> and uh, we, and just... we had a very nice conversation. Um, this is, by the way, this is how I talk to pets. So like I I I try I talk to pets the same way. It looks like I'm haggling with the with the pig. Yeah, yeah. And I let him know he was in no danger because I'm Jewish and I am kosher. Um, <laughs> and so, or actually, I'm not kosher. I just don't eat pork anymore. Um, and uh, so I let him know, you know, he was in no danger. And he kept trying to eat food that was not in my hand. He just kept trying to like chew on my hand. Um, so it was a uh, no. We had a we had a good time with uh, with Kevin. And if he wants, listen, I, you know, I've made no decisions for 2024, but if Kevin contacts right. me and says that he wants to do a, a Cohen bacon ticket, yeah. I'm going to be hard pressed to say no. I will say that. I, I will so. say that. Oh man. Cohen bacon. And I mean, that just, that just rolls right <laughs> off the tongue. Don't it? That's beautiful. Cohen bacon. That's no, that's good. 
That's you, it's literally me walking around carrying this pot belly pig. Yeah. 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 I, I, you know, I, I know you get kind of the same questions a lot everywhere and i, I kind of that course. drives me nuts a little bit <laughs> to be honest with you and yeah. so that's why i'd rather just have fun here and just you know go with it but uh you did just have an opportunity to speak with um justin amash and dave smith dave yeah. smith on uh clubhouse for the first mm -hmm. time how'd that go for you that was good so i had talked with justin a few days prior on my in introduction to uh to clubhouse he came on for that as well so i'd gotten to talk to him before and i've talked with him a couple times on and off randomly uh towards the end of the campaign and since then uh so it wasn't like my first time ever talking to him but it was cool i always have a good conversation with him he's a, he's a good guy um done incredible he did incredible stuff in his um 10 years in the in the house um and it was cool being on there with Dave and Justin because right and, and they even address this right now I probably don't have to tell you if you're watching this you probably already know uh about all the factional stuff that's happening within the party right now you got the Mises right. caucus you've got the Prags you've got a lot of people in other caucuses or that aren't really associated with a caucus but they're kind of picking sides or you got a lot of people in the middle trying to say can we not just try to like we all pretty much have, it's actually me uh, and other people like me. And it's, it's trying to say, can we not focus on the fact that we have largely the same goals? But the, the problem is there are vested interests on both sides of this who want the other side to lose. They yeah. want to win and they want the other side to lose. And this is happening on both sides. So this is not a, you know, one side is bad and one side is good. That's right. The vast majority of people in all of this just want to come together and grow the movement and grow the party and actually set people free that's why we're here we're not here to oh, fight man. over you know over stuff that really at the end of the day isn't it, it matters but it's not what's going to hinge upon whether we win or not so you know differences of opinion on messaging differences of, of opinion on tone or power not even policy because we agree almost 100 percent on policy yeah. so it's stuff like how who are we reaching out to hey why don't you reach out to who you think you we should reach out to and this one reaches out to who they think they should reach out yeah, to absolutely. and i'll reach out to both of them because i think we should be reaching out to everyone yeah, and we'll figure out what works best indeed. when we get there like like so but what's good is you've got dave smith who is the you know presumed uh, uh or i think at this point announced presidential pick for for Mises I, he hasn't been formally endorsed but more than likely he's going to be who they pick and and he's I believe the only one that's actually uh I don't know if he's officially said he's running but he, he I know he said on on Joe Rogan and on other things that he is running or thinking of running whatever he's right. likely to run right. and then you've got Justin Amash who just by virtue of the fact that he's you know a former sitting congressman and right. uh you know he's he's likely to uh, to consider running at least um and he kind of represents the prags, uh, for lack of a better word. Right. And yet you hear them and they are basically agreeing on everything. Even those, those minuscule things, even those, those kind of, uh, odds and ends thing. I think the closest thing that I saw to disagreement, uh, between them was on this whole thing about comparing, uh, the lockdowns and COVID vaccines, uh, the vaccine passports and all of the, the restrictions and, and impositions that have come from government because of COVID or in reaction to COVID comparing it to the Holocaust. And, and uh, Justin's, terrible. Justin's, yeah, Justin's thing was 
nothing you shouldn't be comparing things to the holocaust it's it's just not a good idea you shouldn't be doing Ever. it there was the holocaust and that was a rounding up of you know millions of people and, and killing them wholesale you shouldn't be comparing it dave's thing was yeah no it's a bad comparison uh i i uh, i think we should be focusing more on the actual infringement than on the bad comparison um and and i actually agree with both of those and i'm not those even those aren't mutually exclusive so right. yes there is no comparing these things to the holocaust like I, I actually tweeted this uh yesterday and posted it yesterday and i had a lot of people who thought i was saying that they're comparable and i'm like no they're not remotely comparable uh no one is being rounded up and 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 murdered oh. and massacred on mass and when you compare it to that you alienate a lot of people who think that you're downplaying the holocaust they don't realize that you're actually upplaying what's happening now you're down they think you're downplaying the holocaust it's not anti-semitic you're you know people are saying it's anti it's not anti-semitic it is just not good messaging and it's it's in my in, in my uh opinion it's tone deaf and it's it's a good way to alienate people but I also think that we should be focused more on people having their lives ruined right now. That to me matters more than someone making an awkward, clumsy, tin-eared, bad comparison of one you know, government infringement on someone's rights to a much worse infringement on people's rights and lives. So I'm kind of agreeing with both of them. But even on that thing, they both largely agreed. Just one was more focused on we shouldn't be comparing it to the Holocaust. That's really, really, really bad. And the other one was focusing more on, I'm more upset about what government's doing. But they both agreed that you shouldn't compare it to that. And yeah. it's 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 worse what the government's doing than the, than the bad comparison. So even yeah. on that, which again, who the fuck cares? Like, who cares? I'm sorry, I cussed. <laughs> no, you're who, fine. Who, who gosh darn cares? Like at, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's not going to hinge on whether the movement moves forward or not. But even on that relatively trivial thing or, or less important thing, they largely agreed. So yeah. I was very happy because we are going to grow as a movement and as a party by recognizing that if you walk up to who you think your ideological opponent is in this movement and you sit down and you write out your your respective positions on different subjects, you're going to find you agree with them 90 plus percent of the time. And it doesn't mean those things you disagree on aren't important. It just means that you need to put them in perspective. That if if you agree on almost everything, you might even find you agree on everything. You actually might find you agree way more than you even thought you did. You might think it's like 80, 85. It's probably more like 95. Yeah, That 5% or 1% or 10% or whatever it is, that's important. But it's more important to recognize that we already have a lot of enemies. We don't need to make new ones. Yeah. We are our allies. If we are Amen. in this movement together, we are allies in this movement. We don't even have to like each other. But we have to recognize that we are fellow travelers and allies in this movement. And so to have Dave Smith and Justin Amash and, and me and, and other prominent people in the movement focusing on that movement of you don't have to agree all the time. You don't even have to like each other. You're actually, you can dislike each other. That's fine. But recognize that we're all on the same path. You don't even have to associate with each other, but we're on the same path and we need to focus our fire on the people who are actually infringing on our lives and rights, sending people off to war, sending people to cages, sending people to camps, putting you know undue criminal records on people, ruining people's lives with burdensome taxes and regulations and monetary policy, driving the cost of, of living up with terrible healthcare and education and food and infrastructure and energy policy. These are our enemies. These are the people that we need to focus our fire on. Not someone who you know thinks it might be 
a, a good idea or a bad idea to compare this to this. Like that's that need not be where our focus is. And I'm and I'm happy to see that that's you know the people who want to argue with each other all day long to make them watch the one of the I guess the head. Uh, or one of the top standard bearers of the Mises caucus and one of the top standard bearers yeah. of the Prags agreeing a hundred percent was a good thing. And having me there agreeing yeah. with them too, that, that was a good thing. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, hard agree for sure. And something that I've been trying to kind of tell people uh, lately is that I honestly believe and look, Hey, correct me if I'm wrong here, but <clears throat> I honestly believe that a lot of this uh, vitriol, or fake vitriol or whatever you want to call it was started more among the follow amongst the followers than there actually ever was amongst y'all or between Justin and Dave. I just think that we start a lot of this nonsense and it doesn't really exist. Yeah, no, a lot of it is just social media posturing where it, I watch this at the conventions, the people that are screaming at each other on the internet, they get together and sometimes they just keep away from each other. And sometimes they actually hang out and recognize that, even if they go back to yelling at each other on the internet after afterwards, they will sit there and hang out with each other and yeah. recognize that, oh, yeah, no, I guess we're not quite as much enemies as, as we like to be. I will say I do think that there are people, some people in leadership or in prominent positions in both of those camps who want them to win and the other side to lose. They're even OK with the movement overall suffering temporarily if it means that they push out the people that they don't like. So I, there is some of that, but it's not, this is largely tail wagging the dog. It is people that are angry and, and, and often for, for um, understandable reasons. There are people who are understandably upset about some of the things that have been said on this side. And there are some people that are understandably upset on some of the uh, strategy misfires that have happened on this side. Fine. Great. I, 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 I have, talked about the things that I agree with and disagree with on both camps. I have, I have expressed my frustration with the radical camp. You know, the radical caucus is where I most am in tune. If you take all the different caucuses and, and unfortunately, you know, in the wake of the, the breakup with, uh, radical splitting into audacious, they haven't been as, as present and at the forefront as they have in the past. And I've talked about that. Like there's a lot, but I don't also don't give a shit about like I, at the end of the day, <laughs> we all need to work together on this. That's right. Anarchists and constitutionalists and anarcho-capitalists and mutualists and market anarchists and, you know, left libertarians and right libertarians and, and people who, people who have been libertarians. This is another faction libertarians who have been libertarians forever like from birth or, or just, you know, <laughs> since the seventies, eighties, nineties, whatever. And libertarians who literally just got here and are still figuring it out. We need to work together. And the best way to get more people to be more libertarian in the way that we'd like them to be and be effective in ways that we'd like them to be effective in is to work with them. That's right. It is a lot easier for me to talk with people at these conventions about things that I think they could be doing better when I'm already someone that they consider to be good acting from good faith and on their side, then if I'm standing on the outside going, you jackasses, look at you with your stupid nonsense. And they go, yeah, no, screw you. We don't care what you think. Right. Yeah. So let's bring people in. You don't have to bring in Nazis. You don't have to bring in people who think that the gulags were good. And, and meanwhile, <sighs> I've yet to see any Nazis or people think that the gulags are good at these conventions. Yeah. I, I just, it's not to say they don't exist, but they're not showing up at conventions. What I have right. seen is a lot of people who are 70 and 80 and 90% libertarian. 
And they still have, and I was one of these people at one point, a few years back, I was one yeah. of these people that came to the movement and said, yeah, I agree with you on everything except for the border. And I, I think maybe the wars a little bit. And, uh, I, I don't, uh, what was the, probably that was really it. Cause I, I was pretty libertarian on everything else. Uh, oh, and on police, you know, I think, I think you're giving the police a little bit too much of a hard time. And the more I got to hang out with libertarians and have them talk with me about these things in good faith, instead of crapping all over me and calling me a status bootlicker road talk <laughs> instead <laughs> Over time, I was able to hear their ideas and I went, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, and if I believe this, then yeah, consistently I would believe this as well. That's how yeah. you bring people in. So no, that I, I agree. I think a lot of this is is controversy for the sake of it and it's not helpful. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely speaking to the choir right here. I've been talking oh, yeah. for ever since I started this about, and I'm pretty sure you said this, uh, had Brian Nichols on and we talked about it. It's just a, mm -hmm. a big deal to me is that, meeting people where they are yes right instead of just trying to inject our ideology right off the bat like hey what makes you tick what are you concerned about yes. and then i'm gonna let you know that i care and now i can say hey look i have a i have a libertarian answer for that mm -hmm. what a what a revolutionary idea that we actually <laughs> listen to people for 10 seconds before we start mm -hmm. talking so we have because libertarians we tend to be not all of us but we tend to be more on the cerebral side of things right. we tend to be more we tend to be less although not as as less as we like to pretend we tend to be less emotional but not as we'd like to pretend mm. we have no emotions yeah no we have emotions too i i watch it happen daily um Same. we can actually be hyper emotional um but we tend to be more so when we see something bad happen we tend to systemize it we look at it and we go that's terrible. What caused that to happen? Whereas most people, exactly, wins hearts and minds when you listen. Most people, when they hear of something bad that happens, they go, that's terrible. I am so upset by this. Someone has to stop this. We have to do something to stop this. But they're not, they're not hyper-focusing and trying to break down and conceptualize what caused it. That's we have a ton of engineers and engineering minded people in this party that's because brilliant. that's how most libertarians are typically wired. That's how we got here is philosophically. We came here right. philosophy, philosophy first. Not all of us. Again, some of us came here on the emotional aspect and then fell into the philosophy. But a lot of us came here on the philosophy side. So then we expect that to work for other people. We expect that we go into a conversation about something. And if we just present the perfect, most rational and logical argument ever that is that we have, you know, completely scrubbed of any potential logical or, or rational rebuttal. The only way that someone could fight this thing is with a logical fallacy, which they, of course, they'd never do that. So and then we present this idea and we expect people to go, my God, look at this argument. This is the most logical thing I have ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. There is nothing that I can rebut about this. Yep. No, I'm a libertarian now. Yeah. I didn't know it until I looked at this beautiful monstrosity, but look at it. I'm a libertarian. That's not how people work. No. So we get frustrated. We present our idea and people go, yeah, but what about the roads? Or, well, but how do we have a civil society? Or I think that healthcare is a human right. And we and then and then and then our emotions come out. We're not emotional until that happens. Then we get triggered, and then we start getting angry at them, and we start you know accusing them of not understanding rights, and we start telling them that they don't get this and they don't get that. And meanwhile, what they're saying is, I'm worried about this thing, and our answer sounds like, Hey, fuck you! I don't care what you're worried about. I want to argue right. with you about philosophy. 
And that sounds, yep. like, and then when they go, yeah, but who's going to take care of this? And we go, but, you, but it's not my responsibility to take care of this. The market will take care of it. What it sounds like is, I don't care about you. I don't care what's going to happen to you. I have no answers about what's going to happen to you. And frankly, I don't care if you live or die. I want you to be neglected. That's what it sounds like. Especially when we go, all I owe you is to leave you alone. That sounds like neglect, right? That's not what we mean, that but that's what, like it, what sounds it sounds like. like. So if instead, if we walk into a conversation about healthcare and listen to them, and what, what do we hear? We hear them say things like, I don't want to end up in a hospital and be more worried about what it's going to do to us financially for the next decade than I am about the actual reason I'm in there. I don't want to have to not send my kid to the doctor because I can't afford it. I see that there are other countries where I'm told that it's just free or next to free and they can just go and get care whenever they want to. And we're such a rich country. Why can't we have that? If we show up to that conversation, and say, yeah, our healthcare system is a total mess. It costs a fortune by intention, right? We have yes. uh, politicians making yes. money for billionaire cronies and their trillion dollar corporations, and they're making it increasingly unaffordable for us to be able to get the basic care that we need. It's getting harder and harder for the average American to do any of these things, not just with healthcare, but education and everything else. But let's That's focus right. on healthcare. You know, yeah. we have one, one of the lines that I love using, especially with the left, and it, it leaves them like this is, you know, you have Republicans and Democrats that are arguing over who should be paying this large and exponentially growing this skyrocketing bill for healthcare? Should it be the taxpayer? Should it pay the patient? Should it be some mix between those two? Why are neither of them talking about why the bill is so damn high to begin with? Right. Uh-oh. You can have that conversation with people and then you can start explaining certificate of need laws and cost plus yeah, regulations indeed. and, and uh, you know, the taxes on insurance and uh, uh, um, uh, patent protections from big pharma and bans on importing generic drugs that are made the exact same way as the ones that are here, allowing drug companies to make minuscule changes to the formularies and keep selling the same damn drug over and over again. Uh, the 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 the. Uh, uh, in dealing that's being allowed through these uh, voucher systems between the uh, insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies that's buried in red tape so you don't even see it there. The fact that the red tape bureaucracy from insurance has, has led to doctors not even being able to tell you. There's a federal law that says doctor, federal order that doctors have to tell you, providers have to tell you what the cost of services are. They're all not obeying them because they no. don't know. There is no. no way to know. The only way they can tell you is letting it go through this Byzantine, you know, red tape process with the insurance companies. Unless you're paying out of pocket, they can tell you what it is and it's fucking expensive, right? Real bad. You can have those conversations with people and explain how no matter which way we go, you know, government pay, you know, taxpayer funded, patient funded, if we just get rid of these regulations and these <laughs> burdens and barriers on the market that the cost of the of healthcare goes down, no matter which way you go with it. And you can actually get them on your side for healthcare reforms we can push for now at the state and federal level, sometimes at the local level as well when it comes to certificate of need laws. But right. you start by listening to them and demonstrating that you heard what they said and that you actually care about it too. You have to be – first, you have to show that you care. There's this old phrase, no one knows what you care until they – no one cares what you know until they know that you care. Okay. Show yeah. them you care first. Empathy first. Listening second, demonstration third, solutions fourth. Okay, this is the the feel felt found method of sales. I hear what you're feeling. 
I feel it as well. Other people have also felt this. And here's what we found. This is how marketing and messaging works. You first have to show them you care. Then you show them that you understand what they've said. Then you show them that you understand what the problem is. Then you show them what the solution is. We can take people and then then you don't have to fall for the idea that we need to water down the message. That's bullshit. Watering down the message turns people off. People want both. They want yes. a drastic change. Look at look at who they've been voting for. Barack Obama was supposed to be this bold, radical departure, not just in being a black man, but in every single policy and everything that he put forward. He was going to end wars. He was going to end the division in this country. He literally said he was going to heal the climate and make the yeah. the shores re de de recede. Like he, he made these huge, ridiculous promises. Of People voted for it because he sounded the boldest. Then yep. Donald Trump shows up and goes, all these clowns have been feeding off you for years. I'm a mega billionaire. I know how their system works. I'm going to beat it from the inside. And people yep. voted for that. And then Joe Biden shows up and says, I have no idea who I am. No, he shows <laughs> up. He shows up and he says, look at the insanity of Donald Trump. I'm going to be a return yeah. to normalcy. And that represented a bold departure from Trump. People yeah. vote for what they think is a radical departure from the mess they're in right now. Right. We are an actual yes. departure from that. Yes. All we have to do is meet them where they are. We don't have to bullshit them and pretend and pander no. that we're a departure. We actually are. All we have to do is show up. We don't water down the message. In fact, we shouldn't water down the message. We should Amen. present I, my favorite interview to this day. I know I'm ranting. My no, favorite interview to this day is one I did with a bunch of union teachers in California who wanted to know what the libertarian solution to education was. And I remember I was in Ohio uh, or Pennsylvania. The following day, I was going to start with the... the, the um, uh, start with helping with petition signing to get us on the ballot. And right. uh, and they said, yeah, we got this thing for you. The teachers union uh, members in such and such California want you to come on. And I said, all right. And everyone was like, what are you going to say? I'm like, I'm going to say what I always say. So I went on there and I spent the first 20 minutes empathizing with them and saying, I, I have heard from teachers across the country. And I know what you're going through. I know what you were going through with having these ridiculous student loads on you. You've got way yep. more students than you know what to deal with. And you can't even really, some of them are school board members as well. You can't teach them in a way that's effective because you've got all these federal, mostly federal, but also state uh, testing orders. So you've yep. got to just test students all day long. You've got to tell them just enough to get them to pass this testing. God forbid one of those kids isn't wired to do testing all day long. Maybe right. they're a little bit more creative. Maybe they're like me where they need space. They need to be able to have time to process things and things like that. And then they'll remember it forever, but they're not going to just sit there and scantron their lives away. Now you got to label them as special needs. You got to then, and there was a special yeah. needs teacher on there. And I said, you know, I know what you're going through. You've got 10 times the student load you're supposed to have. You're supposed to have four or five students that you can work on on a one-on-one -on -one personalized basis for their specific special needs. And now 95% of your classes are kids that should not be there. And they're full of angst and anxiety because they're being told there's something wrong with them when the <laughs> fact is they just aren't fitting into this square peg, that square hole that most people don't fit into. And now they're taking it, off on the, uh, taking it out on the actual special needs kids. You're now playing referee. As I'm saying this, I'm on this Zoom and I'm looking at them. I'm watching tears come to some of these teachers' eyes while I'm talking about it. Yeah. And I asked them about some of their stories as well. And so we spent the first 20 minutes, half hour, just relating and just demonstrating that I understood where they were coming from. Then I explained how we got there. I said, the problem is that you as a teacher, 
you're and one of them was the administrator of this school. You as an administrator, you as a school board member, you are utterly powerless to decide what the education should look like for the students that you have. The parents are utterly powerless to decide what it looks like. And so you and them end up having a proxy war that's really being fought between the, it's actually not even a war that's being fought. You're fighting a proxy war while (laughs) teachers unions, while the state and federal governments, and while while all of these crony businesses that have fed this cottage industry of this of this education to prison pipeline industrial complex we have now are making huge bank, you're making just enough to get by. The parents are heavily heavily frustrated and 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 angry. You have way more on your plate than you know what to do with. You're not even able to really educate the kids, and the kids are being completely left behind. And the answer to that is to get the federal government out of it. They have spent $3 trillion over the last 49 years. They are 41, whatever it is, 41 years, I think, 42, whatever, 40 some odd years. They've spent $3 trillion and we went from being number one in education to number 20 something. It has failed. They are spending money to make it worse. We need to take it out of the hands of the federal government and out of the state government and put it back in the hands of your school, your teachers, your parents, your school district with all of that money back that they've been taking from you back in your community to decide how your school should run with no outside interference. These people were crying tears of joy saying, I want to know what party you're from. How do I become a part of this? How can we help? Okay. This was inside of an hour, hour and a half conversation. Now keep in mind, I didn't tell them, you know, I just think the federal government, we should have school choice and that they should be uh, putting the, the money, which, by the way, I'm not against this, but but school choice is Medicare for all for education as opposed to VA for education, which is what we have now. It is not the libertarian solution. The libertarian solution is free market education, not free Medicare market. for all education. But anyway. I didn't sell them on some half measure. I sold them on dismantling the whole fucking system. I didn't rule out total privatization of healthcare or or, or education. I left that part kind of open. Either you just have hyper local government education or you've got privatized it. I didn't, I kind of, I left that as a question mark for them to fill out. And they were not only were they okay with it, not only were they not scared of it, they were excited about it. Because I I showed them that I wasn't just pandering, that I actually cared about them and understood where they were coming from. And then from there, I'm able to connect the dots that this is how we got here and this is how we fix it. We can do this on everything. We can do this in our city councils and county councils with uh, council people in those councils. They don't know what that they're not, you know, uh, uh, king makers. These aren't, you know, crony politicians. Some of them are, but most of them are just people that are trying to figure it out as they go along. And if you show up with the best ideas and show that you actually care about them and what they're trying to do, they'll probably join you. Kalish Morrow has converted two of her city council people to the Libertarian Party inside yeah, of a year. Indeed. Okay. This <laughs> happens when we meet people where they are. They are not our enemies. It is not Amen. us versus the statists. It is the people versus a very small handful of incredibly powerful, incredibly apathetic, incredibly uh, um, uh, uh, psychopathic or sociopathic people who have no concerns about anyone around them. But the beauty of it is they're a small little blip number of people. And the moment that we start connecting with people in our communities, we take all of their power away. 
because their power comes from the presumption that theirs is the only way that things should go. And when we stop fighting with people and we meet them where they are and we bring them in, before we know it, we'll have such a snowball effect on this movement that nothing will be able to stop us. That's that's outstanding. I love that so much. You are speaking my language right right now, Spike. Like I'm telling you, that's incredible because something that I want to, I know we're way over time here. I just want to point this little (laughs) bit out real quick because I'm trying to steal from you real fast. This has been an absolute (laughs) seminar in messaging. And so something that we have an issue with is we want to look at that and say, we have this perfectly logical conversation, this debate. Here it is mapped out like you talk about. There's no way you can argue against that. Yep. But that thinking is self-projection because we're so philosophically natured. Not yes. everybody is this philosophically natured. Yep. Yep. It's 2021. People yep. are tied to emotions more than they are your logic. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. logical. They're emotional in dealing with the everyday stress of life and what they're yep. having to go through. Compassion and empathy are the vehicles needed to drive the unity in order to fight the state. I can't believe I got that out. Because I'm also ranting right now. And uh, and so we're like, we're stupid over time. But oh my God, I love every second of it. But go ahead. Go ahead. I want to add one thing to this. Every person processes information with a combination of intellect, emotion, and intuition. And it's different from person to person. It's also different from subject to subject, moment to moment. It's not some like That's static right. thing. You might be hyper, hyper intellectual on one on, on one day. Another day when you're having a rough day, uh, you, you might be much, much more emotional. Another day you might be, be much more intuitional uh, and, or intuitive. Um, and it also depends on the subject. There are some subjects that are just going to hit you. They're going to trigger you. You're going to be way more emotional. There are some subjects you know top down, left, right, and center. And so you're going to be much more intellectual about it. There are other ones yeah. that you just have a, a just a, a kind of a gut feeling about. You're going to be more intuition. So it's, it's not some static thing. Libertarians tend to process things with a little more emotion than most people, a little less emo- or a little more intellect than most people, a little yeah. less emotion, not as much less as we like to pretend, but a little bit less in emotion and a lot less intuition. Okay. We will walk into a conversation often and I include myself in this, right? I'm not, I'm not beating up other people. We will often sometimes walk into a conversation where someone is going, I don't know how I'm going to be able to afford healthcare for my, my poor son, aunt, mother, myself, whatever. Things are so expensive. Uh, you know, the cost of living is so expensive. The cost of healthcare is getting ridiculous. I agree with Bernie Sanders. I think healthcare is a human right. We need to be able to get this stuff. You know, why can't we have, you know, free healthcare like other countries? What did we hear? Did we hear I'm scared? Did we hear I need a solution to this? Did we hear, uh, oh, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the cost of healthcare? I wish someone would present me with a solution to fixing that. No, what we heard is healthcare is a human right. And Healthcare should be free like in other countries, right? So because we have no intuition or very little intuition on understanding where we should be meeting these people, and instead we get emotionally reactive to what we know to be That's bullshit, right. we right. then go and, and, and argue with them and, and make sure that we create a new enemy. And when we change that, when instead we reflect on how is this person responding? If you walk into a conversation and people are having this very deep philosophical conversation about, great, drop drop self-ownership and personal autonomy and all that stuff on it. Drop them on. It'll probably hit them yeah. really good because yeah. we yeah. have the best ideas for that, right? 
But if you hear people coming in and they're talking about their friends, their loved ones, their neighborhood, their community, something they saw on TV, something that scares them, you hear their fears, their worries, their concerns, their joys, their their hopes. Talk to that. Yeah. Because that's what they're telling you. If I come to you and say, hi, my name is Spike and I'm worried about this. And you say, hi, Spike, I want you to know that taxation is theft. You have failed to have a real conversation with me. Unless I told you I was worried about taxation, then that is going to not land. It's not to say that you shouldn't say taxation is theft. Say it when it matters. Yes. If I come to you and say, I'm worried about this, and then you say, hey, Spike, that's concerning to me too. And here's what I think about that. Now we can have a real conversation. So anyway, that's what I think about that. (laughs) I love how you just so humbly and subtly ended this. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely brilliant rant and the things that i've been and we haven't spoke before this no no, no for all of y'all that follow me we, we did not talk about this, this conversation our, prior we had about we talked for about 50 seconds before we started and it was mm-hmm. like hey how are you doing good to meet you and finally talk yeah. to you let's get started like that yeah. was it yeah yeah i mean just outstanding you're gonna be in clubhouse right yeah, we're going to jump on Clubhouse after this. I'm going to be uh, doing, uh, I may mute myself on and off because I got some stuff I have to do uh, around the house and some odds and ends stuff, but I will be on there. I'll be talking with people. We're going to have some fun on Clubhouse. Okay, so teaser uh, as we bail out of here at almost an hour and a half. That really feels like 25 minutes. Uh, this was incredible, amazing. So one of the first things I'm going to ask you, Spike, when we get in there is, how in the hell did two grown-ass men get lost in a building for 15 minutes after meeting Kane and the mayor of uh, <laughs> Knoxville? And so a, a guy that ran for vice president, you got lost in a building for 15 minutes. I mean, that, that, on the uh, same floors, like literally, like, nope, same floor. Yes, we'll talk. We'll we'll lead with that. How did how did the future of the liberty movement get stuck in a building <laughs> that was very clearly marked for almost a half hour? Well, yeah. you you're not going to believe it. Uh, tune into Clubhouse. <laughs> Tune in to Clubhouse. Spike, thank you, man. This was so thank much you, fun. Thank yeah, you. Awesome. Thank you for becoming a part of Muddy Waters family, man. I'm really excited. Absolutely. Same. Glad to uh, glad to be a part of it. Super honored to have you here. Super honored to be a thank part you, of man. Muddy Waters. Uh, love what you're doing. Um, don't stop. All gas, no brakes, dude. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Mild right. steering. All gas, no brakes. A little bit of steering. <laughs> a little bit of steering. That's right. I will talk to you in Clubhouse. Yeah, we'll talk to you in Clubhouse. So. I'll see all you right. all at Clubhouse. Yeah, appreciate it, my friend. Absolutely, man. Wow, what an amazing episode. Thank you all so much for being here. Spike, thank you, man. Spunk Conan is his alter ego, or at least that's what I was told. I find that to be really funny. Anyway, uh, wow, absolutely outstanding. Incredible. Um, Join us in Clubhouse. There's the PayPal so that we can polish off the Tunica event for gas, food, and whatnot. I cannot thank y'all enough for uh, just being so active and involved. Wow, what a lot of um, incredible comment commentary in the comment section. Thank you very much. So many people tuned in. Um, just incredible. I, I, I can't. I can't thank you enough. This is amazing. Can't thank Spike enough. Brian, you know, you're my dude. We picked on you a little bit there. Um, love that guy. Matt Wright, Muddy's Waters Media, Nalik, Trump, uh, Eskimo Libertarian. I, my wife. Wow. I mean, my number one team, uh, teammate, my wife. Anyway, headed over to Clubhouse. 
Thank you all very much. We'll be right back here Wednesday. Same Cajun time, same Cajun channel. I love y'all very much. You know it. I'm out.